corruption once again takes over the Metropolitan Police, the anti-GB news campaign is run by an ex-BBC executive, and Liz Truss continues to fight against the woke culture. Hello everyone and welcome to today's program. What a sad day and week for the establishment. Whether it's the Metropolitan Police or the BBC or all the other woke academics who are coming out, kicking off about everything that's going on in the West, whether it's the constitutional monarchy as a system to capitalism. But first, let's talk about Metropolitan Police Force. Let's talk about Cressida Dick and her bent cuppers. Because everything has been going on for the past couple of decades. All the mistakes from the police and all the bad decisions, usually they either correct them, they apologize, or they have some sort of investigation and resolve it. And at times, you, of course, you have the anti-corruption units uh, try to sort out the baddies and the bent coppers. The problem here is that Cressida Dick and her senior team have not done anything about the recent uh, chaos that's been covering uh, the whole of the establishment. One issue goes back kind of further back, a few decades ago. Uh, we have now an independent report has found the Metropolitan Police to be completely institutionally corrupt. And you've probably heard the story in the mainstream media, but not much of it, because all they're talking about is how Priti Patel has to respond to it, rather than how Cressida Dick should be actually responsible for all this, well, lack of uh, action against her own officers. And everything else, it's not just the, the way some of the police officers are behaving, it's the actual institution and all the management who are not really doing what they're supposed to be doing, whether it's about you know, tackling uh, daily crime in London or Glasgow or Birmingham or other places, or things that have happened a few decades ago. Now, we know, we have heard of Daniel Morgan, uh, who was a private investigator who got murdered uh, in Sydenham, South London, uh, a long time ago. And of course, there have been a couple of, a few inquiries into this. Now, nothing has happened. The report has now found that the family of Daniel Morgan suffered and as, as a consequence of failure uh, to bring his family to justice. Now, all these reassurances that they've been giving uh, and the misinformation, everything is the reason that uh, people are now finally kicking off about this problem. Now, the Metropolitan Police also repeatedly failed to take a fresh, a thorough and critical look at past failings. Now, this, this is, as I said, despite five police inquiries and an inquest, and no one has been brought to justice over Mr. Morgan's death. Now, with the Metropolitan Police admitting in 2011 that corruption had hampered the original murder investigation. Now, firstly speaking, considering this murder happened in a car park in Sydenham, and it's not rocket science, and of course, sometimes it's difficult to find evidence, and the person, at the time, instantly, but usually, after a good investigation, if the police are good enough, they should be able to find something. Now, so you're either admitting that the police are just not good enough, so just say that, or something is behind it and someone's behind it and there's, there's a bit of a cover-up. And if, if you are admitting that your police force are not competent, then you're putting the whole society at risk. And maybe that's why they're lying, because they don't want to scare people. Although, it's a bit too late, because we're seeing what's happening in the streets of London with Sadiq Khan's uh, mayoralty uh, being at risk because of the lack of action from the Metropolitan Police in London. Uh, so we already know that you guys are not competent. Of course, there are a lot of good police officers out there. We know that. A lot of them are doing a great job. But in terms of the management and the direction, there are a lot of issues. And no one's really talking about it. Of course, we are talking about um, their double standards in policing when it comes to protests. But there's a deeper problem with the Met. 
Now, of course, this is one of these videos and programs that I cannot post on YouTube because otherwise it will be completely removed and censored. So glad that we're able to talk about this freely on this new platform. Uh, so this is the biggest problem that we now have because of the uh, the way Cressida Dick has responded to this. Now, of course, she was not responsible because she wasn't around at the time, but it's been years that she's been leading the Met and she hasn't done much about it. So the, she has apologized uh, to the family of Daniel Morgan, but is that really enough? If you want to apologize, at least explain why it cannot be done. You can't just do a bit of a cover up and just ignore and just wish that everything would go away, considering there's a lot of pressure on Cressida Dick right now to completely resign over her failure uh, for the past two, three years. Now, this is adding to the mountain of criticism. Now, Daniel Morgan's family has called for Dame Cressida to resign. Now, it's not a surprise. Now, as I said, when you have five police inquiries and an inquest and you actually fail uh, to find the killer of Daniel, then the family will get frustrated. We've been waiting for this since 1987. And then Krista Dick comes out and they, she talked to the press saying that I would like to acknowledge both personally and on behalf of the Met, the extraordinary resilience and the determination of Daniel Morgan's family in their pursuit of the truth for the conviction of those responsible for his murder. Well, so well, you're paying tribute to his family instead of trying to actually sort it out. That's, but that's one of the main problems with this whole uh, story. Now, she has also said that it is a matter of great regret that no one has been brought to justice and that our mistakes have compounded the pain suffered by Daniel's family. For that, I apologize again. So again, we know, we already know that. You guys have apologized for that. But the failure is a failure. If any, any other job, whether it's a CEO or a local manager on a team, when they keep failing, they resign, they give answers, and then replace them with someone who's more competent. Well, we're not really seeing that right now from the Met. This is the, the foundation of everything that's wrong about the concept of policing in the UK these days. And we know that Chris Dick has, you know, doesn't have a good history with justice and competence. Back in 2017, when she was uh, going to be leading this whole thing, um, Demenza's family, uh, of the family of the innocent Brazilian residents who got shot back in 2005, I believe, or 15, um, at a time when the police were trying to be cautious with the, uh, the threat of terrorism, and they just shot him because they thought he was a suicide bomber. Well, he wasn't. And Christopher Dick was uh, obviously involved with the whole of the operation and the, uh, the organization. And of course, people tried to stop her from becoming a leader at the time, yet nothing was done. Now, this is one story. There are a number of other things that we've seen uh, but this continues. Now, we know that the criticisms right now, there are a lot of articles in the press you can see today, and yesterday and today, uh, they're talking about institutional corruption. Now, we could talk about this, but we could also be practical about the problems that we are having. But let's talk about Priti Patel, because once again, the Home Secretary has come out to say that it's deeply alarming uh, that this report has talked about the Metropolitan Police's mistakes. This is not the first time that Priti Patel has criticized uh, Christa Dick. She's also talked about potentially not extending her contract. But then when you have Sadiq Khan and the others coming out to say that we have full confidence in Christa Dick and the team around her, I don't really know who's in charge and who's actually going to be able to influence these powerful people to make decisions on behalf of the voters and the electorate in general. Because I thought this is a democracy. If we put pressure, if we vote, uh, for some sort of agenda and a manifesto, people should really listen. But apparently that's not how things work. Now, 
speaking of democracy and establishment, there's one person who wasn't really having a good time within the system, and that was Dominic Cummings. Um, he was a difficult person when he was in Downing Street. He had his own mentality. He was stubborn, and you had to go with him, otherwise he'd be in trouble. And of course, it doesn't really work when you're dealing with uh, elected MPs and ministers, uh, because these guys are very much pro-short-termism. Uh, and this problem with democracy that we currently have in this country, in the West in general, where politicians simply just uh, worry about the next election in the next couple of years. Uh, and that's why someone like Dominic Cummings, who's a bit of a control freak, uh, did not have a good time. Now, he's come back again today to leak some more documents and information and communication between him and uh, Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson and the others within the establishment. Uh, he started tweeting and on his own blog. He uh, published this massive article uh, and you could actually go check it out yourself um, because this is quite long. It's very detailed. A lot of it is quite nerdy. It's all about the whole COVID operation. But one thing is, because the whole the title of this firstly is that the Prime Minister on Matt Hancock is totally effing hopeless. And the whole thing is to try to expose Matt Hancock, uh, not simply to expose Matt Hancock, but also to say that Boris Johnson had different views. Don't just believe the guy in public and on TV. Now, the issue is that obviously right now, Dominic Cummings has lost all credibility. Uh, people now see him as an attention seeker, as someone who's just bitter. And uh, well, I, that's true. And the more he attacks Boris Johnson personally, the more popular <laughs> he is becoming a bit prime minister. That's one problem for Dominic Cummings. I don't know why he's still continuing this. I think he's just trying to, uh, his target audience are very, very specifically nerdy uh, people in the scientific community because it's not really working politically for him. But it's still a bit damning because one of the WhatsApp messages that he's uh, published between him and the prime minister, um, he sent a message saying, you know, talking about the US uh, back in March 2020, 27th of March 2020, uh, we're talking about how the, uh, the Americans are increasing their testing every day and uh, we're still currently on 5 to 7k a day and this is all Matt Hancock's fault and Boris Johnson replied saying, yes, it's totally effing hopeless. Um, of course, we already knew that the, the Prime Minister did not have full confidence in Matt Hancock despite what they said in front of the, the press at the briefings. But this is, so this attack is meaningless even though right now in the mainstream media today they, they're, they're all talking about it all these channels all the news channels are talking about oh this is a personal attack well this is nothing new it's not really surprised just gossip politics so it's not been um, obsessed with this sort of stuff because then again in none of all these other text passages and you can see the next uh, screenshot where uh, of course it said that the the whole of the department uh, totally effed up the ventilators and uh, the officials are just not happy and Boris Johnson replies it's Matt Hancock he has been hopeless and there's, there's a lot others out there one main point about these um, whatsapp messages that he's published is a conversation between him and Boris where um, Boris Johnson said that he agreed with Valence and Witty on PPE and the crisis that they had and he says that I can't think of anything except taking Matt Hancock off and putting Michael Gove on uh, so all this is doing is simply creating more drama inside the Westminster bubble so that all these other uh, MPs and ministers who are trying to start their secret campaigns, leadership campaigns against Boris Johnson to use that against them. It's not going to help the country. It's not going to help ordinary people out there. It's not going to help you guys watching this video right now. Your, your lives have been disrupted over the last uh, year or so. None of this is going to help you. Although it's going to be, it's gonna be almost two years now by the time we finish with all the uh, international travel crisis that we're dealing with. Uh, but the media are there 
to focus on the real issues that matters to you. Well, clearly, that's not really the point. Uh, because we have, obviously, the new uh, news channel, GBnews.com out to try to be different. And not everybody in the mainstream media are happy about it. A lot of people have started these boycott campaigns and tried to like get the advertisers to withdraw their ads from them. And it's kind of worked. There are a number of companies who have withdrawn their ads. Um, and we did report it on this channel yesterday. The problem is that not many people knew who was behind this. Now, thanks to Guido Fawkes, the website, we now know the one main person behind the, uh, the GB News boycott campaign is an ex-BBC executive. Now, surprise, surprise. It's, it, it, to be fair, it's not that surprising, but it's a bit of a scandal when it's exposed because we always know that, that a lot of certain type of liberal lefties uh, who don't like, uh, well, right now, GB News, but it is a bit damning when it comes out and it's exposed that it's a BBC woman. It's Louise uh, Wickstrom, uh, who is currently in charge of Ripples. Now, Ripples uh, is also the company behind this whole anti-GB news campaign. And she used to work for the BBC as a senior content, a content producer uh, between 2012 and 2015. And she's also been part of a lot of other campaigns. And one of them is a very, very pro-Jeremy Corbyn campaign. He, she's been uh, uh, posting on social media uh, memes of you know, her saying, I'm with Corbyn. I don't understand this one, but you know, I'm guessing some sort of profile picture, but you know, each of their own. But the main issue and the main question here is, are we going to be transparent? Because these companies who are withdrawing their ads, they're listening to a some sort of mysterious campaign because all they see is this website. That's all they see. They don't really know who's behind it unless they do a bit of Googling like uh, Guido Fawkes. They did a lot of research and they did some digging. And then they found out that Louise was behind it. Otherwise, it, it could be anyone. Well, it could be someone really, really bad. I mean, worse uh, than an ex-BBC executive. Uh, but you should do your research before getting behind some sort of random campaign. And uh, that's not, it's so divisive. It's just going against a new channel just because it's different. Just because it's trying to counter the current narrative that we are seeing from the mainstream media. It's everything's going woke. Everything is going crazy. And the woke culture is coming back. But we do have a new fighter against it. That is Liz Truss, the best government minister that this country has seen in a long, long time. Now, Liz Truss has been amazing with the trade deals. We know that. But she's also, uh, because her portfolio also includes uh, equality, a lot of people kicked off at first saying, oh, this cabinet are giving some random portfolio to a minister to talk about equality. Uh, but luckily, it's Liz Truss. So she's using that platform to go against the woke culture. And that is exactly what we need. Because this woman, who could be our next prime minister, potentially, is now fighting back against the same thing that, the, that her establishment has been promoting for a long time. And eventually, she's going to face some challenges from the same Whitehall machine. Uh, but what we know is that she was talking to Times Radio this morning, and I'm just going to read you what, uh, her quote, because she says, My role as equality minister is to make sure that everybody in Britain is treated equally regardless of their sex, their sexuality, and their race. What we have seen over the past few years is the development of identity politics, where there has been division created. And that's the most important point, because yes, her portfolio includes equality, but at the same time, she admits that it's been the identity politics that was created by the liberal left that is creating these divisions. She says that people are described as being members of a group, rather than for their own personal, individual humanity 
and dignity. That's true. And she, she talks about, the, obviously, the approach that she wants to have. Uh, but the main point of uh, her argument is that she says, I think some of the identity politics that we have seen focus on symbolism over real results. And that has been definitely divisive. I think most people aren't interested in the so-called culture wars. Uh, what they're interested in is, am I being given a fair chance? Do I actually have a good chance of getting a job? Am I being treated fairly by public services? And that's why I think our equality agenda should focus on. That is absolutely spot on. And I, I, I really hope that other government ministers and the MPs that we currently have do listen to people like Liz Truss. Because we do have some woke ministers. Uh, we do have some, and also MPs in Parliament, we know that from all sides, you know, not just Labour or Lib Dems, some of the Tories are too. Um, but if we want to have some sort of chance or opportunity in the future to fight back, we need some of them in the establishment, in the leadership, to also fight on our behalf. And Liz Truss is currently doing that. Now, let's go to the final segment of our daily program where we answer some of the questions we receive from the full members of the channel. In case you don't know, and if you're new, if you're a full member, go on the membership area at the top of that uh, page, you can see the tab, and then you, there's a box where you can submit your daily members' questions. Uh, also, underneath, you also have the ability to sign up to our regular video calls, uh, which we do uh, every Wednesday. There's basically do a cycle. Uh, so we, there are a few dates you can see uh, on that list. You could uh, sign up, just basically pick the one that you're available. Uh, and so others could also have an opportunity to sign up. You can only pick one, basically, because uh, the Eventbrite will stop you from uh, signing up to more. Uh, and then we'll do the next cycle every few uh, weeks. And that's the best we uh, have been doing with uh, all the full members. And you guys have been absolutely amazing, all of you. Whether you're a standard member or a full member, your support has been absolutely brilliant. Uh, so after this video, I'm going to be preparing for our today, uh, this week's uh, Zoom call. Now, let's go to the questions. So we have Alex who has said that, is there any point in starting a new YouTube channel in 2021? <laughs> well, that's a question, a good question. It depends what the channel is. If it's just going to be entertainment, it should be okay. If you're gonna be showing cooking lessons, that's fine. But YouTube has, they've already released their statements back in January this year, saying that they are changing their policy. They are no longer prioritizing independent news channels. They want to promote your big platforms, your CNNs, BBC, Sky News, so that people don't get fake news, according to Google. Um, and also, as you have seen, uh, that's the problem we had on YouTube, uh, this channel. Um, not only they're not prioritizing our videos, uh, they're actually coming after all, all of us. And Alex Belfield also released another video recently talking about it. Even his channel has been affected again by it, whether it's demonetization or whether it's shadow banning, where the video is not being suggested, or whether it's actually removing or blocking the videos. Uh, so if you're trying to start a political channel, you could try, but uh, expect a lot of challenges. Uh, Paula says, I saw on Twitter that Lacey received a positive COVID test. Are you guys okay? Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you for that uh, um, uh, question, Paula. Um, yeah, so as you know, obviously Lacey and I work together um, and we see each other every day here. Um, she did... Uh, she didn't really have um, the typical COVID symptoms, but she had uh, some other like cold symptoms and everything else. Uh, but she was obviously told to take a test um, and uh, the initial test was positive. So we've been uh, isolating. It's been quite difficult because of course, when we're in, in the public eye, um, you, you have to follow the rules. You, know, you can't even be a rebel. You can't pretend to be like, oh, I'm a bad boy. I'm, I'm gonna leave the house. I'm gonna go do whatever I want. And you get into trouble. These are the regulations we're living. And also 
you know, public health with everything else that's been happening with the virus. Um, you don't want to create a kind of bigger problem uh, with the authorities and everything else. So the NHS is already kicking off with all the small details. Uh, but uh, we, uh, she has done a, another national test today. It came out as negative. And that's the whole debate with these test results. Um, the, the challenges and the, all the mistakes, the fake positives, the fake negatives. Um, and the government are still, they're still having this debate between using lateral tests uh, or using the, uh, the CPR tests. And they haven't been able to make up their mind. Even France decided to go with one. And that's the main policy. Uh, so, but overall, we're doing good. Everything's well. And um, Lacey's, uh, she doesn't have any symptoms. Uh, but we're going to stay in, and uh, we're going to wait for another few days to make thank sure everything's okay. <laughs> so that was Lacey saying thank you. Uh, but no, that was uh, it's been yeah, it's been quite uh, difficult. So uh, actually, if you uh, you guys know that we have the forum page, uh, if, if you guys uh, have experienced something like this with these mixed uh, test results or just any difficulties with the lockdown, the isolations, uh, go in the forum. And just uh, create a, a thread and a post. I'll get I'll get in to have a chat with you guys to kind of see how you guys have been dealing with all this chaos. Uh, Lauren says, "Is the NHS reform the next battle in your opinion?" Well, I would have thought so. After Brexit, I thought the NHS would be the next uh, big thing. Um, but with the pandemic, and I actually thought at the beginning of the pandemic that because I knew that the NHS will cause a lot of trouble um, and it would show their incompetence, that we might have some sort of debate. But they were so protected politically, and they still are, that I don't think anyone can touch the NHS for the next 10 years. Uh, things might change, but it's not going to be the instant next debate. Nobody is going to be allowed to reform the NHS. They're, all they can do, and all they will be asked to do, is to throw more money and just you know, hope for the best. And that is a big problem. Although overall, I do believe in the next 5 to 10 years, um, the only way that you can actually reform the NHS properly is uh, for the NHS to go through an actual crisis. And that's, that's the sad thing about it. Um, and politically speaking, ideally it has to go uh, when the Labour Party is in government so that they can't just blame the Tories saying, oh, the Tories did it on purpose. Uh, so it's, it's a very, very political thing. And that's the sad thing, that the healthcare is now political in this country. Tom says, thanks for the new video player. Great work. Will there also be live streams soon, like on uh, YouTube? Uh, thank you, Tom. Yes, as you guys know, we have a, uh, now we do post two different versions of the video player in case uh, your device doesn't handle uh, one of them. You have two options. And also one of them, the second one, you can download the videos. Uh, so some people have had some bad issues with their Wi-Fi and connections. Uh, so if you can't stream it live, you can just download it and just watch it. Uh, later but of course you still have to be logged in uh, to then uh, do that uh, so that we can't really just do copyright issues uh, otherwise uh, in terms of the live streams uh, absolutely so we are now going to be introducing the new tab the new page for the live stream um, uh, the feed and uh, so i will keep you guys posted but soon we will be launching that very very soon and uh, so uh, stay up to date on that as well uh, and uh, the main thing is all the new changes uh, on this new channel, the platform that we have. It's all because of your feedback. Uh, we, on, we know, as I said yesterday, GB News also launched and they admitted they, had a, they have a lot of technical, technical difficulties. It's not easy starting an operation like this. Um, although I, I can be proud to say that we are very smooth. Everything's going very smoothly. Uh, so thanks again for watching. Yeah, continue with your feedbacks. I'm Maya Tusi, and I'll see you guys in the next video.